This is the Sneaky Plays Podcast, presented by JokerMag.com, the home of the underdog. Thank you for listening, and enjoy this podcast. Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Sneaky Plays Podcast. I'm Chris Morris, alongside the usual suspect, Dom Fierro, here to talk a numerous amount of topics today. Dom, how are we doing this week? We're doing good. Nice off day today. Uh, watch the Masters all day. I'm locked into that so far. Uh, probably die down a little bit tomorrow, but then Saturday and Sunday, I'll be glued to the seat watching it. They will definitely pick back up. Great sports weekend. Got uh, NBA playoffs starting, NHL playoffs for those uh, hockey fans out there. Uh, always got baseball to watch. And then, yes, of course, uh, the Masters all weekend. And uh, for Game of Thrones fans out there, Game of Thrones premieres Sunday night. I know everyone will be locked into that after the Masters concludes too. But yeah, I'm looking for, it's a great day. If, if you just love doing nothing, sitting on the couch, watching sports, it's a fantastic weekend for that. Fun fact. I've never watched game of Thrones once. Never once. I mean, I've, everyone gets on me cause I'm not like, I mean, I, I'm, I haven't seen every episode, but I've at least seen it. Like I started to watch it one time. Uh, and like, I mean, it was, I liked it. It wasn't like it was bad, but it was like a little slow and, it's just so much like it's one of those shows like if you're already you know a couple of seasons behind it's like this is just hard to binge because the episodes are like an hour long and so i've seen it like i've seen other episodes and you know i kind of know what's going on but i i'm not like a fully dedicated i've watched every episode fan but you've never even seen it once that's crazy yeah i'm not interested in it i think it's <laughs> don't get why people get so in an uproar about it <laughs> I mean, it's good, like, from what I've seen. And I'm sure I would probably love it if I had, you know, committed my full time to it. But it's just, you know, when that happens, like, if you get – it's like some some shows are just too hard to watch if you fall behind like that. Yeah. It's not for me. So, I'll be blocking everybody on Sunday night <laughs> on Twitter. So. I can see you being that crotchety old man hater, like, ah, fuck this Game of Thrones Yeah, shit. I watch uh, Wicked Tuna <laughs> on Sundays, so <laughs> – all you gamers fans out there, I'll be watching Wicked Tuna. Rebel Dom. Yep. So we had an interesting Final Four weekend and an interesting national championship game. Oh, yes, we did. So a lot of talk about there. So let's start with the first game in Final Four with uh, Virginia and uh, who they play? Auburn. They play Auburn. Auburn. That's right. Yeah. I feel like it was like a month ago. Yeah, I know. I hear you. (laughs) But we. So we have Virginia Auburn, uh, and some plays down the stretch. We have the ball goes off of Jerome's heel. It looked like, and there's no call. Mm-hmm. Hits the guy hits the three off of that possession. Then we had the questionable. Well, it's not really questionable. It is a foul, but questionable to blow the whistle at that point. Uh, right. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Morris. <sighs> well. First of all, obviously, the double dribble miss. Um, and, you know, we can say in live time, I didn't see it. And I don't think anybody saw it, you know, on TV. Probably very few of us. Um, so I can't totally knock the official for that. Um, but then again, you know, being right there, two feet away from it, staring at it, probably should have seen that one live. Um, even though, you know, that wasn't like, it wasn't quite, you know, Ram Saints level where, Right when that happened, the millions of viewers watching that, everybody knew that was P.I. And the one official standing right there closest to it couldn't see it himself. So it wasn't quite on that level, but it was still unfortunate that a blunder like that cost Auburn. I'm actually not against the foul call in the corner. I know that, you know, at the end of games like that, a lot of the times they let the calls go. Um, They let them go usually at the basket. There's a lot of contact on drives. They even let them go on the three-point shots if guys get, get to contest. But, I mean... You, you have to admit, nine times out of ten, that is a foul. I mean, he closes out. It's not, you know, it, it wasn't egregious or anything, but he gets in his airspace. He bumps guy's leg uh, on, on the way up, and, I mean, he got him. So, uh, you know, my, my gripe is really more with the double dribble, but even then I can't totally knock him because that wasn't – I don't think that was a, a completely no-brainer obvious call. And I thought it was the right call, honestly, on the three. Um and then, I mean, if you're a guy, you still got to go to the line and make all three free throws, and he did. So, I, I mean, it, it was an unfortunate break, but 
I sort of like how Bruce Pearl handled it too. And I reiterate, reiterate what he said. I mean, get over it. You know, stuff happens in life, stuff happens in sports. You know, you, you can't, you, you can't move on or you can't go back. You got to move on. So it was an unfortunate break because it really looked like all, I wanted Auburn to win. I think most people did. Um, and they really closed out the game great down the stretch. They overcame a 10 point deficit with like five minutes to go, which never happens with Virginia. And it seemed like it happened in every single game in this tournament. And then they somehow still found a way to squeak by in the end. Um, but it was a great comeback and it was a shame they came out the game. Yeah. So for me, I have a great for both of those calls. Uh, first off, I'll be totally honest. When I saw that play where it went off his heel, I didn't know it went off his heel. But to me, it looked like he had stopped dribbling. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, I was like, "Wait, why is that not? Why is that not a call?" You know, it it, it looked off. I I, I will yeah, that, no, but I could definitely see it why. looked off. Something clearly happened. I didn't see it hit his heel until they showed the replay. Obviously, mm-hmm. but he had definitely stopped dribbling, and I was wasn't sure. How that's not a travel of some sorts, a double dribble, which it should have been called. Uh, and to me, that's awful that they didn't call that. I think that is atrocious refereeing. And when you have it in the Final Four game, where, I mean, these games matter. This isn't a regular season game where, you know, that still matters. And, but, you know, there might be 10 games left. There might be five games left. You can still make it up. This is a do-or-die game for to go to a national championship. You cannot miss that call if you're the ref and you're staring right at the player. There's zero reason to miss that, and that's a shame that that had to happen. And then the foul call at the end, to me, I think it didn't alter the shot until he came down. Am I correct? No, I no, I hear, yeah, I agree with that. Because that, that's, I... that's what I saw was that. I mean, he does close it out. He is a is a foul, yes, by the book. But to me, I think you got to chew the whistle there. I to to me. If it's not affecting the shot on the way up, then what are we doing? I know he hits, you know, he hits the leg, but it seemed like it was on the way down. Possibly, I don't. I to me, you just got to chew the whistle there, and the team, the better team wins. I feel I hate when that happens. I hate when it happens in football. I hate when it happens in basketball. You can no, I, yeah, I hate I hate when it happens too. I mean, I agree, but the like the thing is with that, just this is one of these where I feel like you know. There would have been – it's kind of 50-50. It's going either way. Like, yeah, probably more often than not, they don't blow the whistle in that scenario, which is what we're kind of used to. But also, it's probably a foul. So, you know, if they don't blow the whistle, then I don't really think everyone's making a huge fuss about it, you know, maybe other than Virginia fans. But then they do blow the whistle, and now, you know, Auburn fans make a huge fuss about it. But when you look at it, it's, it's probably a foul. So – I get it. Like they don't, you know, you by by the book by you know going off of uh, of watching you know officials for you know years on what they usually do. They usually swallow the whistle the whistle there. But I mean, I think if he's if it's a foul like that, you know, he got in his airspace and it wasn't egregious, but there was definitely contact. I think it was the right call. No, it is it is a foul by the book. I just think. They should have chewed the whistle. I don't think there's any way that whistle should have been blown to decide the game with him making three foul shots. It was definitely a tough way to see it end. Like no yeah. one wants to see the game end that way. I just think it, I think the call had to be made. Yeah, that's just me. I have a, that's why I have a gripe with that call too. I think if you're going to do that, you got to call in every. You got to be consistent. You can't just have it in the final four. It's my biggest gripe with the NFL too. If you're going to call a bad game, call the bad game all the way through the playoffs into the Super Bowl. I agree. I hear you. Let stuff go through the regular season and early in in March Madness or early in conference tournaments and then say all of a sudden, oh, well, we're just going to call that now. Yeah. No, it makes sense. You can't. And you saw, I mean, you saw throughout the Final Four weekend too, there were a few three second violations. I can't even tell you. Those were random. I didn't, I didn't know where that would came from. I can't even tell you the last time I saw a three second call. Yeah. In college, it never happens. Yeah. I mean, come on. Come on. And then we had the second game with Texas Tech and Michigan State. And I don't know about you. I know you picked Michigan State, but I am very happy to see them lose like that. I cannot yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone sees pol- Michigan State's polarizing, it seems like, for some people. Uh, to me, I just can't stand them. I don't like Tom Izzo. I don't like Michigan State at all for any sports. Uh, I think, you know, <laughs> they're just the epitome of, like, constantly being really – they're like – 
to me, Michigan State is like the Notre Dame of football. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, where they're just they're so like they're told every single time, oh, this is the best team. They're so good. They play really well. You know, they, they went through the Big Ten and win the Big Ten tournament, and then it's like, oh, they're going to the Final Four. But you know what? I mean, they got blown out a few years in the national champ a few years ago in national champion. Yeah, they did. You know, it's constantly when they get to the Final Four and they get to these big time games, they just get blown out. They don't show up. You know, and that's why I compare them to a Notre Dame football because Notre Dame. I mean, you can watch them eleven times during the year and they play great. Then you watch them in the playoffs this past year and they get blown out. I mean, come on. That's no, I hear you. So yeah. I was happy to see them lose. And Texas Tech, well deserving. I mean, they played their hearts out that game. Uh, you know, and it was a shame to see what happened in the national championship happen. But to me, I'm happy they at least got there and beat Michigan State. Yeah, I was rooting for Michigan State. Um, I've always liked them. I've always liked Izzo. You know, I know some people hate them like you. Um, they don't like what they stand for and everything. And obviously they had the, uh, the the scandal a couple years ago, which wasn't a good look. And the football team had a scandal too. Um, but that is sort of a knock on them. And I, Izzo's even referenced it. Like, yeah, you know, I won a national championship here, but that's going on two decades ago now at this point. And yeah, I mean, they get to the Final Four every three or four years. I mean, they've probably been to six final fours since then at least i'd say and you know they've never really seemed to get over the hump um you know you get a huge win against duke who is you know the most talented team in the country all season um and then i mean that texas tech team was just rolling so i think it was a little bit more about texas tech than about michigan state not getting it done in that game um obviously you know it's it's partly on them too but i mean cassius winston had to pick you know the worst time of the year to have his worst yeah, game. Yeah, he had a bad Obviously, I mean, yeah, he did have a bad game. But, I mean, that's part – got to give Texas Tech credit there. I mean, their defensive intensity, their ball pressure. I mean, they got so much size. They're really smart. I mean, they packed the paint. They weren't letting him get to his spots and, you know, getting into the lane where he loves that floater, that mid-range, or, you know, getting into – to kick it out for threes to McQuaid and those guys. Um, they did a great job. And you could kind of just feel like early in that game, even when it was close, even when it was like a two, three-point game, like – Seems like Texas Tech kind of had the upper hand. And then, you know, Mooney got hot in the second half, hit a couple backbreaker threes. And Michigan State made one last final run, but they clearly weren't the better team. And, yeah, it's disappointing because, I mean, that was a Michigan State team that really showed a lot of perseverance this year. And I admired, I mean, a team that had so many injuries and everything, still got to the final four. And it was a tough way to see them go out. But but I was happy for Texas Tech, too. Yeah, and then I think Michigan State went on some sort of drought, right? They like an 11-minute drought or something going back. Yeah, that, yeah, that was brutal. That kind of doomed them from, you know, right there. Mm-hmm. So, but then we go to the national championship game, which was exciting. I, ah, it was I great. Know, and, there was a lot of talk yeah. about this was going to be the lowest score, you know, <laughs> under might be like 100 points and stuff like that. You know, first team to 50 might win this game. Uh, and it was none of that. You know, it was exciting. It was back and forth. You saw the teams. You know, Virginia had, like, a 10-point lead at one point, and then Texas Tech battled back. Texas Tech came out with a lead towards the end. Virginia battled back. You know, you got to give it to them. And, you know, congrats on Virginia for the win. But another controversy with the refs. Oh, yep. Our favorite. I mean, to me, that that's just awful to me. I know you're totally against that. No, this this is the one that I mean the, the ones in the Virginia Auburn game were I mean they weren't great but they weren't egregious. This one to me, I mean we were talking about it right after. I mean, this is where the you know the ultimate flaws of replay come into play here. Like I mean, replay was not invented to you know put everything under a microscope to you know the tenth degree, slow it down by the millisecond to see. I mean, you can go on about this. You know, we've talked about it. Like in baseball, too. You know, when a guy, the worst is on the steals or when a guy's sliding back into first base. And for a half, a milli fraction of a second, whatever the hell you want to call it, his foot comes off the bag and he's getting touched by the glove and now he's out. Even though, I mean, that's not what this is intended for. I mean, 99 out of 100 times, 100 out of 100 times, if you're watching a game live and you see what happened in that Texas Tech-Virginia game, the ball gets tipped. The defender tips the ball out of the offensive player's hands. The offensive team retains possession of the ball. So either we've been getting it wrong all these years, and they should have been awarding the team that tipped the ball out of bounds on the defense gets the ball, or 
uh, or or I mean, I'm, what am I missing here? Like that's the, who gives a damn if the ball grazes his pinky on the way out? He's not the one. The defender is the one knocking the ball out of his hands. So therefore, like, he's creating the force to knock the ball by by scientific law, I guess the ball is going to graze the offensive player's pinky, but that's not, I, I, I don't know. I mean, this stuff gives me such a headache and for that to happen, you know, in overtime of such a great game with a minute and a half to go and it didn't decide the game, but it robbed Texas tech of their last chance to, to come back and tie the game or take the lead. And I mean, it just sucks that we have to talk about that and what was a great game, you know, I mean, it sucks. Well, the bigger thing is Kyle Guy fouls Moretti on the fast break. He's, yeah, he hit him on the arm too, yeah, and like clearly, exactly. So why can't you review that? You, you can review the pinky, but you can't review that. Yeah, clearly, clearly swipes and it's clear foul. It's not called. And then to me, if you're going to review a play, it's got to be fly. Like it's got to be from a camera angle that everybody can see. You can't. You shouldn't be able to zoom in. I'm fine if it's close to the baseline, right? Like the baseline cameras when it gave it away. Mm-hmm. And an actual view, you hear them say, oh, I don't know if there's enough evidence, this or that. But if you're going to zoom in like that, I think that's a complete joke. And it's going to ruin sports for every all the common fans out there that are watching the game. I yeah. It's awful that they can do that. Because, look, like you said, the ball's created, you know, the out-of-bounds, the ball's hit out-of-bounds by Virginia. And it just happens to go off of Texas Tech. I mean, Ten times out of ten in the regular season. You know, I know you said nine times out of ten, but ten times out of ten, that ball's going to the offense. Of course, yeah. It does not matter. And all of a sudden – and I also don't like how they go about reviewing. Uh, I believe something with the – Oh, I hate it. Like the players do something, they can call for a review or the coaches or whatever. I think uh-huh. it's awful. I think the ref should be the one to decide that. I think there should be a time limit. I think there oh, should... that's – I heard that too. Put a shot clock on them. I love yeah. that too. Some sort of side in a minute or something. Yeah, because they take way too long. They kill the momentum. I think that's the bigger thing about these replays is that look, you want to get the call right. Well, okay, get it right. You can't get it right in live action. We got thirty seconds to get it right. Yeah, you know? it shouldn't take that long. Bang through the, you know, bang through the, the all the different angles. It should be standard definition too. I think let's not do the high definition ultra zoom in <laughs> so we can see everything. Yeah, it should and be- and do it quick, man. I mean, like. It kills the flow and the buzz of the game. I know that's your biggest gripe with it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a momentum killer. It's awful. It's. Uh-huh. It's disgusting. It happens in every sport too. Baseball, football, basketball doesn't matter. Uh, it it kills the momentum. Of what happens in the game, and that's what decides the outcome more. I feel like is that you got a team that's rolling, and all of a sudden. Oh well, the defense is going to get the ball back, and they shoot a three, and all of a sudden you're back in the game. Yeah. You know, it's no, yeah, and I agree. And they still haven't figured out a way. You know, the worst is when one of these reviews happens and one of the teams doesn't have any timeouts, and now they just get a free timeout because of it. Yeah. What, what the hell is that? They still yeah. haven't figured out a way. Like, maybe we should keep these guys on the court. Maybe we should only let the players huddle up. Like, no, they just get a free timeout, and they end up getting like three free timeouts because there's always a gazillion reviews. I don't know. I'm fed up with it. Yeah, that really pissed me off the other night. To me, it's like when you, a player fouls out. You know, you're supposed to stay on the court, but somehow they all run back to the coach. The coach gets whatever words he can get in. You know, that's supposed to be a timeout. The refs try to control it, but they can't. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're gonna, you got to keep the players on the court. They should be amongst themselves. The coaches shouldn't be involved at all. The ref should be the one that is making the decision to go to review. And to me, I know I talked to you about it the other day. I feel like the ref that makes the call should be the only one to review the call. Oh, I like that. Yeah, you did say that because I don't. We don't. We don't need all three guys huddling up over there. Yeah, I think because in, in baseball, I say it should happen, and uh-huh. in uh, basketball, I think it should happen. Football is different. There's a ton of different views that people have, and I understand that. So that's different to me. But basketball, the guy who makes the call should be the one, only one to review it, and he should be the one to say, "I blew the call." Yeah. I'm with that. I'm with that. Yeah, I like that. Basketball is the worst too. I think. Yeah. Of all the sports, but the reviews because it, it kills the momentum more than any game because it's the quickest moving game and you're coming to the wire of a of a great finish in any game and get alone the national championship game and it just sucks all the flow out of the game. Especially college basketball. I mean, yeah, you got home you got home court advantage and all of a sudden you're going to uh, hit a review. I mean, that takes yeah. the crowd completely out of it. It sucks. It's awful. <laughs> 
to me, to me, it's just like figure it out. They got to figure it out somehow. You know, I I don't like it. I think it should be different. And I'm all for getting the call right, but there's got to be other ways to get the call right than zooming in. You know, like you said, to literally <laughs> you're starting to see blurry of the pinky. You know, yeah. Because it's uh, no, they they gotta fix it. I don't know what the answers are. You know, we can toss out ideas, but you know, some of these people at the top that should come up with better ideas than us have got to figure out something better. Yeah, because it, it's atrocious. I hope it's fixed for next year. I hope something's done. Because mm-hmm. and even you can even open up the review if you want to open up the review to review anything in the last two minutes. Say you know, there's a like for example, let's take the play from the other night say the ball does go out of bounds, right? And they're reviewing that, but all of a sudden they see Kyle Guy, you know, swipes already, and that's a foul that's not called. They should right. be able to say, hey, you know what? We have a foul before the play. 100%. Yeah. 100%. That would make, there, was a, there was an NBA playoff game, I remember, a, a number of years ago. I think it was the uh, it was the Thunder and the Clippers, I want to say, and, and Doc Rivers was coaching the Clippers. It was obviously he's still coaching the Clippers, but it was one of his early years. And it was at the end of the game, and the Thunder got a steal, I think, and we're going to the basket to tie the game. And someone on the Clippers hit, I think it was Westbrook, hit his hand, and it was clearly a foul. It wasn't called a foul. The ball went out of bounds. They said Thunder ball on the court. They go to the, they go to the monitor. When they go to the monitor, it clearly shows that the ball hit off of Westbrook's hands, but they clearly missed a foul. So that's why the ball went off his hands because it was a foul. And they actually stuck with the call on the court saying it was thunder ball. And Doc Rivers exploded going nuts because he was technically right. The ball did go out of bounds off of Westbrook, but there was a foul that wasn't called. So I think the officials in there, you know, even though they're not technically supposed to do that with the rules said like, oh shit, we clearly missed a foul here, even though the ball went out of bounds off of them. So we're just going to give them the ball back anyway, because we missed the foul. So, I mean, you can do that, I think, even though, you know, it wasn't a, a rule there and Doc Rivers had every right to go crazy because it's not a rule. But you should be able to review if there's a foul or something that leads to contact that leads to the ball going out of bounds, you know? Yeah. And I don't think, you know, they see the problem with that is they're going to get out of control with it. And you know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, we'll open up to the last five minutes or something. Uh huh. And then, oh, the game- yeah, we don't need that. So, we but I'm for something being whether you open it up the last two minutes to where yeah things like that happen uh but something needs to be done about the replay because you can't be on the biggest stage of college basketball and having two out of three games have some sort of refereeing controversy yeah. totally agree yeah that to me is just mind-boggling it's just unreal that that could happen yeah so some other big news that has happened over the week Obviously, other than college basketball, is the Lakers are now oh my God. <laughs> owned, ran, coached, and played by LeBron James. Just uh, when I thought we were going to be done talking about the Lakers. Yeah, it's going to be nice that this is the last thing we'll have to talk about them until something happens in the offseason. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know about you, but I saw Magic Johnson when, what's his name, Woj tweeted out uh-huh. Johnson stepping away from the Lakers. Uh, he hasn't even told Jeannie Buss yet. I said to myself, what is going on? I laughed. That whole press conference was comical. He was laughing. He was like, yeah, that was con- like, oh. he, he, I think he felt like he like got younger by like 10 years uh-huh. <laughs> in the way he was going about that press conference. That was conducted like an eighth grader quitting his middle school basketball team. Yeah. That, that press conference. It was like, yeah, you know, I tried it out for a little bit. It wasn't quite as fun as I thought it was going to be. I just kind of want to go back to doing whatever else. And I heard him on a sit down with Rachel Nichols today too. I was listening and he literally says like, yeah, you know, I, I want to go back to tweeting and to, and to kind of just fading into the background and, and, and helping other players. I want to go work out with Ben Simmons and do this and that. Like, I mean, sure. That's, that's fine if you want to do that. But like, first of all, you should tell you know the owner first, you shouldn't just, just wake up one day and be like, all right, I'm resigning. I'm not telling anybody, and I'm just going to break the news to the public like that. And second of all, like, what, what the hell did you think you were getting into, Magic? I mean, you, you have to work countless hours of the day to be an NBA basketball executive, you know, yet alone the head of basketball operations of the Lakers. 
one of the most storied franchises in sports. Like, it's not just going to be, I think he literally thought it was going to be, yeah, you know, getting some, getting some meetings in the summer and try to woo some people to play for the Lakers. I'm, I'm cool with that. But I don't think he, I don't think he wanted to go to Croatia and scout, you know, <laughs> European players for an entire week or, you know, go down to the G league and, watch their second round draft picks develop. Like I, I just, I, I don't think that he understood that was, that was a big part of the job. Like, you know, Woj also tweeted out some stuff saying magic really never fully committed to this. And clearly that was evident. You know, I think we all sort of knew that and he basically confirmed it by his, his words in that press conference. Yeah. Uh, to me, it, it, like you said, it seemed like he was just wanted to do like the fun stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to go down to, you know, the summer league out in Vegas and just hang out and, you know, people come up to me and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm Matthew Johnson. I run the Lakers type deal, you know, and try to woo people and woo free agents and stuff. But I don't think he really knew what he was really getting himself into. And I, no. a lot of what happened this season has to do with why he's stepping down too with the team just – I mean, this team at the beginning of the year was ready to be, a, you know, a finals contender. I mean, we were talking about – the Lakers go into the finals and beating the Warriors, you know, to get, yeah. you know, we were talking about the Warriors run being over because LeBron was finally going to go and beat them, you know, in the West and have them not go to the championship. And then they're not in the playoffs. Magic's gone. Duke Walton gone. And then LeBron is now having his longest off season in God knows how many years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, two thousand. Probably like two thousand and what five six. Yeah, probably like last almost, time. I mean, I think this is his sixteenth year, so yeah, probably like fourteen years or something like that. It's yeah, been, it's been a long time since we've been a long time since we haven't watched the uh, LeBron James play in the playoffs. Yeah, like uh, like Chuck said, he can, he can go hang out with them for the next two months on the TNT set. He's got uh, he's got nothing else to do. I'd love to know, see that. No, doing it too. You know he's yeah. going. That'd be great. Uh, it's April 27th. We got game seven of the first round. Who do, who do we want to call? Bring in LeBron and D-Wade. Not doing, and Melo. They're not doing anything. Oh, God. All three of them. The only one that's out there of the uh, banana boat crew is Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, I mean, his years are numbered also. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean. They look pretty good, though. Get yeah. But I like, I like the way look He'll end the same way with oh. Like somehow getting to game seven against the Warriors and Harden going. Yeah. Well, hearing. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that, you know, it's, you know some people are saying like, oh, because, you know, the way the, the seating and everything worked out, they're going to play the Warriors in the second round if they get there. And, you know, you could say like, oh, that kind of sucks for them. They, you know, they got to get the Warriors around early. But based off of the teams and, you know, their best players playoff history, it's probably a good thing. I mean, James Harden routinely every playoffs has died out by the end. Better to probably get him fresher in the second round, and you know this leaves a limited amount of time for Chris Paul to pull a hammy too. That how that always happens. Yeah, so happens. Probably probably better it's round two than round three. Yeah, I would I would agree. Uh, so speaking of the playoffs, let's go into some of these matchups. Uh, I'll let you talk about yours because like, you constantly said on this podcast that you were afraid of what is currently happening. Oh, my nightmare has come true. Oh, it's because you know, the Sixers now. They have to go play the Nets. I think they're going to win the series. Uh, but the Nets are playing some good ball. Uh, you can't deny it. You know, I don't like the Nets. You know, Knicks fan through and through. So, I hope the Sixers win. I hate the Nets. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. Nonetheless, I would be scared if I had to play the Nets. <laughs> yeah, they're just – they're a tough team to play because they play really hard. They play really together. The, the team, you know, it just kind of fits, works together. They've got, you know, multiple ball handlers, creators. They've got multiple guys that can spread the floor. Um, and there's just – there's I don't know what it is. There's like a spirit about them kind of that just seems like whenever you watch them, like, it's hard to describe. It's like they just seem like they really like each other. Like they enjoy playing. They play really hard. And they're not like – they're not that talented, but they're also not just like, I think they're a little bit better than like, Oh, like they're just a scrappy lower seated team that, you know, really doesn't have a lot of talent, but plays really hard. Like that's kind of what the Pacers are to me without Oladipo with Oladipo. Obviously they're, they're pretty legit, but without him, they're kind of just a contingent of guys that, you know, work really hard, play really hard. And that's about it. You know, 
the Nets have all that. They've also got guys that just that are kind of, you know, I mean, D'Angelo Russell is an All Star this year. He could easily win Most Improved Player. Like he's a legitimately really good player. He's not just like a scrapper. Spencer Dinwiddie can get a bucket on anybody. He was one of the best guards off the bench this year. And you know, like I've said before, the one thing that the Sixers really struggle with is defending these playmaking guards in space. I mean, it's so hard to guard in the NBA now anyway, just because of the rules and all the space and the shooting. I mean, these guards have free reign to do anything basically. And when you have a team like the Sixers, as good as they are, as talented as they are, you know, they don't really have one guy that can, you know, like a Patrick Beverly type or a Marcus smart type, somebody like that, that you can put on a point guard and you can rely on them to at least, you know, make like, make life difficult for them. You know, they've got J.J. Redick out there, and, you know, Ben Simmons is a good athlete, but he's kind of unconventional. He's not really a guy that's going to guard point guards. Um, you know, so it's just, it's difficult. And for that reason, and coupled with, you know, Elton Brand put a great scare into everybody last night saying he's optimistic, but he's not even 100% sure if Embiid's going to play the first game this weekend. Oh, I think he'll probably play, but that's the last thing we needed to hear. You should have heard the radios today all day. What the hell's wrong with them? I think he's got more than just tendonitis. Why are they always doing this? And the Sixers, from a PR standpoint, are the worst franchise in not just the NBA, in all of sports with handling these injuries and how to, you know, express the news to the public. It's it's a joke. It's been going on, you know, for six years, dating back to Nerland's Noel. It's an absolute joke how they handle it. And this is another chapter in that. Um, I still think he's going to play, and you know that's really the biggest advantage we have in this series. So he better play because Jared Allen, he's just going to squash him. I, I Jared Allen stands no chance to guard Embiid. Embiid should have thirty-five and eighteen every single game. Um, so I think that'll ultimately. I do think the Sixers are going to win. I think it's going to be difficult because I think Brooklyn is you know a team that just like I said they play really hard, um, and they've got talent too. And I don't think they're going to go quietly. I could see this series going seven games. I think it's going to go at least six. I'm going to say seven, but I think having a game seven on their home court, the Sixers have been really good at home all year. I don't see them losing a game seven at home. I think they're going to win it in seven, but it's going to be difficult. Yeah, I would say the Sixers probably win in six or seven. Uh, to me, you know, D'Angelo Russell, I think the only reason he's good and his teammates like him is because he's not ratting anybody out. <laughs> <laughs> so... He's not doing any of that sneaky stuff that he was doing over with the Lakers. Oh, uh, Magic alluded to that. All the yeah. little backstabbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I think the Sixers – I think almost the Sixers' problem with the Nets is that the Sixers could be too talented. You know? Like yeah. you said, there's not a guy like a Marcus Smart or a Patrick Beverly that can defend, be a lockdown defender, and you're fine if he gets, like, f- six points, you know? Uh-huh. And, but he locks down some guy. Yeah, we have TJ he McConnell. Play. He's like he's not athletic enough. Really. Yeah, he's not. He's not Marcus Smart. You know? No, no. So that's to me. This the Sixers could be too talented for this series. Where you know, even with the Warriors, you know, you can talk all you want about all the talent they have, but they still play a little bit of defense, especially down low. Yeah, they always have. Whether it's with uh, Bogut or Green's played. You know, I know he hasn't been great this year, but. You know, past few years, he's played great defense in the playoffs. Mm, Iggy, uh, too. Yeah. I mean, they got guys who you're okay with whatever you get them on offense, but as long as they play defense, that's good. Right. You know, even Kawhi back in that when he was with the Spurs. Yeah, he was more of a defensive guy than, than a scorer. Yeah, exactly. And that, to me, the Sixers really don't have that. Now, to me, I don't think that's going to stop them from winning. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you're watching the Masters, but that shot was unreal. I saw it, yeah. It was incredible. <laughs> so, back to that. <laughs> well, anyways. Uh, but to me, there's really no one on the Nets that could kind of take over a game. You know, they kind of play fundamental basketball where you're going to spread the ball out. Everybody's going to get theirs, and that's how they play. That's how they've kind of been in this whole rebuild. So, but I think the Sixers still win the series, no problem. It's just going to be in six or seven games. <laughs> I think it's – yeah, I agree. I I've, I don't think it's going to be no problem. I think there's going to be some sweaty moments. I think there's going to be a time where, you know, they're down 2-1 or it's tied 2-2. There's going to be a there's going to be a point in the series where it's like we've got to come together. Somebody's got to step up. Somebody – you know, they've, they've got to do something to actually win it. The Nets aren't just going to give it to them. Um I mean, it's honestly, I mean, not taking anything away from the Nets because they are, they are good, but it's a flat-out embarrassment if the Sixers don't win the series. I mean, with making the two major in-season trades they did, 
all the talent they have. Um, it's, it's a joke if they don't win, and it's a complete failure. And Brett Brown should be fired the day after they lose if they do. <laughs> you can see I'm already worked up about it. Yeah, you're, you're real. I'm, I'm in fear, man. I, yeah. I want it to be over. Just get me to the second round. Get me past the Nets. I know they're going to be annoying. Your, your Wildcats of uh, Villanova don't, don't make it past the second round. Yeah, well, I cut them a little more slack because they gave me two championships. In the yeah. Years, but that was still tough, too. Your Flyers don't make the playoffs. Oh, they're as irrelevant as it gets. You got people leaving by 745 <laughs> Phillies game last night. Oh, well, the Phils are fine. That was an ugly game last and, night. And, and, uh, the and, blew the save, too, the other night. And now you want the – Everybody, you want a, like a Lakers type treatment if they lose to the Nets in the playoffs. Oh, I'm calling for everybody's head. <laughs> Get them out, Jimmy, Oscar La Vista, oh, Fire man. Brett. It's it's cleaning house time if we lose to the Nets. <laughs> <laughs> so just to go into another uh, NBA series because some of these games, I mean, you got Sixers Nets, which we just talked about. Warriors Clippers doesn't. Really yeah, yeah, forget so that. Warriors gonna you know Bucks piss sweep. Yeah, nothing. that's yeah. The Rockets Jazz could be enticing. That's a good one. Agreed. Yeah, the Jazz play some good basketball. Play uh-huh. really defensive basketball, also. You yeah. So, to me, that could be another one. That could be like the best series, honestly, from a standpoint of it's going to definitely going to be close. Uh, Thunder Trail Blazers. That really doesn't you know tickle my pickle. So yeah, no, not, not me neither. Yeah, you know, there's really nothing that happens in that game. I mean, Westbrook, what are we going to expect? Westbrook's going to go off. Paul George is going to be whatever. Yeah, you know, I think yeah, with the with the Nurkic injury for Portland, I don't I don't think they can really win that series, even though yeah. they have home court. But I think they also went zero and four against the Thunder this year too. So I don't really see that being that interesting. Yeah, the Nuggets Spurs really does nothing for me. I no. think Nuggets are probably going to you know have no problem in that series, which is sad because the Spurs are always good to watch come postseason time, but. Mm-hmm. You know, they're obviously not the same Spurs they've been the last few years when they had all those guys. Uh, Raptors magic. A lot of people are picking the Raptors to go all the way. Uh, to me, I think it's going to be the Bucks, but the Raptors magic series is really nothing for me. Yeah, they'll get they'll get one game. You know, yeah, Orlando. That's a five game. We're, we're about to sit in two months of playoff basketball. So yeah, yeah. Three if it goes to Game Seven of the NBA championship. Yeah, I but, hope. The one series that does, you know, to me is almost a must-watch series for the whole playoffs is going to be Celtics-Pacers. I don't know if you've watched their games the last, you know, because they, they've played, I believe, two times. Since. Yeah, they have in the last couple of weeks they've played. And those games have been very well played close. I mean, Celtics, I remember I was watching on Friday, the Celtics got out to like a like a 20-point lead or whatever it was, and those Pacers pushed it all the way back and just lost a few points. So – to me, I think that is going to be the series of the first round. Uh, and it's going to be time for Kyrie to kind of nut up or shut up, you know? No, definitely. Because, I mean, all you heard about the Celtics team is, oh, we love each other. You know, we know we're a better team. Well, now it's time to go show it against a team you kind of struggled with all year. So, to me, that's a series to watch. Uh, you know? And I think what you're going to end up seeing is the favorites all come out. I don't think there's going to be major upsets. Uh, you know, I know in past years you see a couple of lower seeds come out into the second round and get blown out. But I don't think you're going to see it. And I also think the East is going to be a lot better than we usually see. Definitely. I'm looking forward to that. I think the East second round is going to be a lot of fun, assuming all four teams win. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to me, too, uh, with the Raptors, if they can actually – get past, you know, second round <laughs> because yeah. they've fallen into the LeBron owns Toronto type trap the last few years. LeBronto, yeah. Yep. So we'll see. We'll see if they can get past it. Uh, but like we said, we got, you know, buckle up because there's about to be two, almost two and a half months of the NBA playoffs, which is exciting. I don't know. A lot of people don't like it, but I do like it. I enjoy it. Um, and I know you're going to enjoy it with your Sixers. And so. oh, definitely, it's long, but I love it. You know, you, you get to watch Kenny, Charles, and Shaq and Ernie every oh, night. Every watch night every week. It's like the best part. Um, no, I'm with you on on the West. I love the the Jazz uh, Rockets matchup. You could argue those are the second and third best teams in the West. Yeah, you know, just with the way the the standings worked out, it kind of it's unfortunate for those two teams. They got to play each other in the first round, but. You know, contrasting styles, but a lot of talent. I think both of those teams are really good and could challenge the Warriors a little bit. 
Um, and one of them is going to be gone in round one. I, that's going to be a, a six, seven game bloodbath. Um, and then the other side too, the, the Celtics Pacers, you know, I thought the Celtics, you know, kind of, I, I thought they would not easily would win, but I thought, I thought they would find a way to win that series somewhat comfortably, but you know, now the Marcus smart injury too. Yeah. Um, you know, torn oblique, he's going to be out for probably the first two rounds, you know, and even if they make it to the conference finals, who knows if he's playing then. Um, that throws a big wrench into them. I mean, he's kind of the, you know, the heart and soul of that team. Like we said, he's a, you know, a great lockdown defender. That's what you need in crunch time in the playoffs. And that Indiana team, they just play hard, man. They're scrappy. That's not going to be an easy series, too. Um, I think the Celtics probably eventually win because they have the best player. They have somebody, you know, who in the game on the line can seize the moment. Um, and they have home court, too. But I also, I think the Pacers are going to give them fight tooth and nail at the end. That's going to be a 6-7 game uh, good series, too. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know that probably that game, that series, and the Jazz Rocket series. If you're not don't have a team, you know, force in the race, those two those two series are going to be must watch. Yeah, uh, you know, one hundred percent going to be the two best series of this first round. So, some other NBA news is we're losing two great kind of. I won't say I'll say Dirk kind of reinvented the way the big man position was played. Uh, and Wade, you know, you don't really see that type of loyalty anymore anymore in the NBA. And we're losing both of them. Two greats. Uh, you know, so what are your thoughts on, you know, the careers of Dirk and Dwayne Wade? Yeah, it's crazy. Just, I mean, two all-time greats out the, out the door in one night. Um, I think I, I heard someone say today that uh, – Vince Carter is now the lone player still playing in the NBA that was drafted in the nineties because <laughs> Dirk is gone now. Which gone. Is kind of funny. Yeah. But um, I mean, they kind of went out in different ways. Obviously D Wade had the whole retirement tour this year and, and Dirk kind of wanted to keep it close to the chest. Like, oh, I don't really want to say anything, even though everyone knows I'm retiring that perfect way for him to go out to, to announce to the crowd in Dallas after his last game, this was my last game ever here. And you could hear the whole crowd like gasp, like, they kind of knew it, but it was still sort of shocking to see him say that uh, in the moment. But, you know, two, un- I mean, unbelievable careers, two of the top, I, I don't know, I guess 30 players of all time or so. Um, you could argue that for days. But like you said, I mean, Dirk really just, I mean, reinvented the way that the big man plays the game of basketball in today's era. Um, you know, one of the first bigs ever to shoot threes. And that was, that you know, that was the knock on him, you know, earlier in his career that he was kind of just, you know, a soft shooter, you know, didn't, wasn't really tough, wasn't mentally tough, couldn't get it done on the big stage. And, you know, he, he ripped all of that criticism apart. Um, and then the finals that year when they beat the LeBron and, and D Wade heat, um, they probably caught the heat the best possible time you could in that first year together when, you know, they, they still were kind of figuring it out. LeBron really wasn't, you know, LeBron yet. He was, he had the talent, but he, you know, he clearly didn't have the mental makeup yet. Yeah. Um, but you got to credit them. I mean, they took it, they ran with it. Um, and Dirk was by far and away the best player in that series and during that playoffs. Um, and that's what he'll be remembered for. I mean, he got his title D Wade, obviously too. I mean, it's interesting, you know, kind of the, the strange path that each of them had, you know, the strange impact each of them had on each other's careers. Like they played in the finals back in, uh, you know, the first go around when D Wade had Shaq and, and Miami beat them when they were kind of the underdog. And then Dirk comes back and gets revenge when he was the underdog later. Um, so, you know, you wouldn't really think like Miami and, you know, a guy from Miami and a guy from Dallas would be rivals. You know, they only play each other twice a year, but ironic, they met each other in the finals twice. Um, and they go out together at the same time, which is strange too. And two all time greats, man. I mean, Dwayne Wade, best shot blocking guard, I think, in NBA history. And, you know, definitely a crazy unique player um, just in the sense of, you know, wasn't really a guy that, that took a ton of threes, was kind of undersized, but freakish athleticism in his early days and, you know, still managed to, to be a great, you know, co-partner and, and Robin to LeBron's Batman in his later years and got him a couple championships. Um, and then obviously, you know, what I said about Dirk, just reinventing the game. Two, two all-time greats. It was, it was sad to see him go. Yeah, I mean, Dirk is our generation's, you know, who they look up to to play in the NBA. You know, you never heard, you know, everybody, you never heard somebody say, oh, I want to be a Shaq type guy, you know, mm-hmm. 
a ground and pound type guy in the post. You or want... even like a Duncan. Like no one's yeah. throwing Tim Duncan. Yeah, no one wants to. Sh- no big man wants to shoot. You know, yeah, they always shoot little little mid range off the grass, off the glass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so everybody wanted to shoot the three. They wanted to shoot the fadeaway like they're. Uh-huh. You know, I you know for me, I played basketball. Obviously, uh, was a center and forward. I was just you know small, but you know you bet I practiced. <laughs> <laughs> or you know that Dirk, Dirk fadeaway. That Dirk fadeaway. I mean, how could you not? Uh, it's an iconic shot. Yeah. To me, it's sad to see him go, what he's meant to the game. And for European players, too. I mean, now you see, you know, he was kind of the, the first guy I feel like that's really kind of changed the way guys looked at guys coming over from Europe, you know, where these guys, yeah. they could succeed. <laughs> you know, it's no more, oh, you know, these guys can play in the NBA and have really good careers. Uh, and to me, Dwayne Wade, I think he's the last player we'll ever see with the type of loyalty he had, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, granted, I know he goes to the Cavs. I know he's traded to the Bulls. Uh, but to me, to see him kind of go back to Miami and do what he did. I mean, he really tried to take a back seat. He wants to do what was best for the team. You know, he wrote it out all those years. Uh, you know, I know LeBron and Chris Bosh have a lot to do with his success in, you know, the Heat's success, but the ship is – led by Dwayne Wade, you know. There's no championship against the Mavs without Dwayne Wade. There's no heat, in my opinion, <laughs> without Dwayne Wade. So what he's meant to that franchise and one of the best shooting guards, in my opinion, will ever see play, you know, is it's just great to see him. He's had a great career. Uh, excited to see what he does. I feel like if anybody's going to get involved in coaching, it's going to be him. Somehow, yeah, I could see that. He's I a pretty good it. analyst too. I've heard him on TV a couple of times. Yeah, he's actually, he's actually pretty. He's pretty good at it. Yeah, I, you know, he's definitely. I feel like going to have some sort of career, po- you know, in basketball, whether it be college basketball or the NBA. I feel like he's going to have, you know, great post career doing that that sort of stuff. And Dirk, I don't know what he's going to end up doing, but I don't think he really needs to because <laughs> yeah, he'll go back to Germany. He'll be fine. Yeah, I mean. But- <laughs> Two great careers, and I gotta say, it's kind of sad seeing these guys leave because these guys who grow up with watching, especially Dwayne Wade. I mean, we all we were a little bit younger in two thousand three when he's drafted, but you know, we watched him throughout his career. You know, LeBron's yeah. a few years left. Melo's done. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Paul eventually will be done. You know, we watched these guys kind of gr- grow up in the NBA, and to kind of see this kind of generation move along. And now you're seeing the better guy, you know, guys who are younger, but there's really not going to be, in my opinion, another Dirk or Dwayne Wade or LeBron, or, I mean, obviously there would probably never be another LeBron, but, you know, guys who just have loyalty and will do anything they want, anything they can to win the games and win championships. And I think that's going to be the most important thing in their careers and Hall of Fame careers, nonetheless. Yeah. Now they're going to get to go in together probably in, in five years. You're, you're right on. I mean, that's you know that's that's our childhood right there watching those guys play, um, you know that's what we grew up watching is you know are these all time great players, um, and, and like with D Wade I mean, I heard a, uh, a Miami I forget the guy's name um, he's he's part of the the Levitard show Stu Gotts I think oh yeah um, I heard him uh, talking the other day I mean D Wade is by far and away not even close uh, to you know the best player in Miami sports history, not even just heat history. Um, you know, the entire, I mean, he's surpassed Dan Marino surpassed. I mean, you can think of anybody on the, uh, you know, on the Florida Panthers. I don't think anybody there <laughs> rings the bell. Um, you know, the Marlins have won a couple championships, but they don't really have that one iconic player that stands out. Um, you know, it's the, like they say, it's Wade County down there. Yep. Um, and I think he's by far and away the most beloved athlete down there uh, in Miami history. Yeah, and it's it's sad to see him go. I mean, and just to put him into a category of like a Marino, you know, for a basketball player in Miami, where you know you really don't think of basketball sometimes. You know, it's crazy to me to even say that. Yeah, I'm glad I get to because what his career is, what he's done for in his career has been nothing short of spectacular. No doubt, no doubt. So kind of getting off of the NBA. A little bit of NFL news and notes to finish up. Uh, another week, another emotion-driven wide receiver. 
oh. off the rails. Probably, probably was crying at this point. Uh, <laughs> but Juju and Antonio Brown. I mean, can we get one week where yeah, can this please end? Can can we just get one week where there's not a wide receiver saying I'm the best? I <laughs> I'm gonna cry on Twitter or to John Dorsey or you know. God knows where. I don't need it. Uh, no, I'm, I'm so sick of it. I'm I mean, sick of... Uh, I'm Juju, more sick of this almost than talking about the Lakers. <laughs> Juju, I will say Juju is the downfall of Antonio Brown's career in uh, Pittsburgh. But at the same time, if you're going to be mad that another wide receiver is getting team MVP, uh, a young guy out of US, when he was at USC is asking, hey, I want to be the best and looks to you to help him with that guidance, and you're going to say, oh, emotion, he was asking me how to be the best two years ago or three years ago, and now, you know, this and that. And then Juju to kind of go back at him and be like, I want to do what's best, this and, you know. It's just, it's tiring, <laughs> like you said. Oh, it's exhausting. And I, you know, just play, you know, just play. If you think you're that good, let your play show it, you know. Is, is Juju – I don't know if Juju will be as good with Antonio Brown not there. I don't know if Antonio Brown will be the best in Oakland. You know, we don't know. <laughs> but until then, I need to stop. I need to stop hearing the crying about who's the best, oh, you know, and then the actual legit crying with the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> We're still talking about the Cleveland Browns uh, crying. I'm never going to talk about that. <laughs> No, I'm with you. I mean, Antonio Brown, man, just just please, for the for the life of you, for the love of God, shut the fuck up, please, man. I think we are all sick and tired of hearing you talk, of hearing you tweet, of seeing what color your mustache is, everything. <laughs> just just shut it down, shut it off, go work out, go do whatever you got to do, go play with Derek Carr, go study with John Gruden, and we'll see you in August for training camp, man. I mean, it, this it's beyond ridiculous. Like, I mean, he, he's so contradicting of himself, even. He goes out and tweets, like, you know, what did he say? Something about your emotions? Like, don't show your emotions on here for Twitter or whatever. Yep. And then five minutes later, responds to a tweet, just bashing Juju. It's pretty damn emotional, man. <laughs> I, why don't you scroll up and look at what your last tweet was, you dumbass? Like, Jesus, man. And Juju, I mean... I, I don't know, you know, I, I'm not really going to blame him here. I mean, yeah, I guess he could have been, you know, the bigger man and, and not said anything. But, you know, that's not how these guys work. Yeah. work. He's obviously going to come back and say something. But I actually thought his note that he wrote, he that he DM Brown back in college was actually pretty sincere. I mean, it didn't really, yeah. he could have been sucking up to him a little bit, I guess. But it seemed like he was actually genuinely like, hey, man, like, yeah, I respect you as one of the best in this game. And. I'd love to learn from you and you blah, blah, blah. And who knows, they, you know, who knew they ended up becoming teammates for two years. And I mean, he must have learned something from him because Juju became, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the league this year too. And like you yeah. said, I mean, we'll see if he can do it without Brown. Um, you know, I have, I have my doubts that he can, you know, I don't know if he's a true superstar number one, but we'll see. I mean, and the Steelers have always, that's one position, you know, that, that in recent years over the last decade or so, they've just hit it out of the park every time. Um, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, Brown, Juju, Mike Wallace was the first one. Obviously, he, you know, his career has kind of fallen down a little bit, uh, you know, in other places, but he was really good with Pittsburgh. Um, you know, Martavis Bryant had all the talent in the world. He had kind of off-field stuff that got in the way, but that's one position, you know, that they've always hit on. You know, they've plenty of other positions they haven't hit on, particularly defense. They seems like they've drafted a million corners and linebackers over the last 10 years that haven't panned out. Um, but receivers, one, they've always gotten right. And I know it's Antonio Brown. I know he's, you know, one of the best three receivers in the game, probably of the last five or six years. But every time one of these big name receivers leaves, they usually, usually seem like they're okay. So if I'm AB, man, like just shut up, just take it easy, show up for training camp in August, ready to work. Like you keep saying, oh, I'm done with it. I'm past it. I, blah, blah, blah. Like clearly not, man. You're, you're going on Twitter where you say you shouldn't show your emotions. And you're showing them week after week. And I love that the Steelers, you see the, the linemen today, I think it was uh, Marquise Pouncey and Ramon Foster, basically just put out, you know, a public a, a public address announcement. Like, if, if you've got anything to say, if you've got anything, you know, negative to say about a teammate, blah, 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 or you want to tweet it, come to us first, all right? 
You want to deliver it? Well, you know, deliver it to us and we'll decide if it's okay because we're <laughs> done with this social media BS nonsense of guys going back and forth with each other. Yeah, I would hate to be those guys uh, because those guys are extremely underpaid as linemen. Yeah. The, you know, people complain about who's the best and money with, you know, obviously Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. You know, it's sad. You know, and who knows? Ben Roethlisberger could be the worst person in the world. <laughs> you know, we don't really know, but you know it's yeah, not going to come out a lot. He's <laughs> probably um, not a great guy, you know, with the whole yeah, thing. Well, yeah, thing. With everything he's done, definitely yeah. not a great guy. But, yeah. you know, in the locker room, we have no clue what happens. And we, the only thing we have to know is what his teammates say and what Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell say. So, now, going back to another uh, – what seems to always be in the news is uh, this Bleacher Report article, you know, that was seemed to just used to be as clickbait pretty much, bashing Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. And what do you know who are the two people at the center of it? Jermichael Finley and <laughs> Greg Jennings. All the time. I mean, it doesn't matter. Aaron Rodgers could be, you know, sitting at the, at the Daytona 500, right? And all of a sudden, you know, it's, oh, Greg Jennings said this. You know, Jermichael Finley said that. Those two are the most jealous people <laughs> in the entire world of Aaron Rodgers. And sad. I mean, I know Favre was – I mean, I know Jennings was Favre's dude. Jermichael Finley just hates the Packers because they let him go after he had a, almost a life-threatening neck injury when he broke his neck and he never got to win that Super Bowl and whatnot. And Greg Jennings, I mean, if you're going to take it seriously that – Rodgers doesn't want you on a team, and he said it in the middle of a game. Come on. Come on. Yeah, that's, you know? that's a joke. And then you got guys uh, who clearly, I mean, clearly the whole article is just fake news. Apparently. So what, what else happens is Jeff Janis, one of the guys who, I mean, he made a huge catch against Arizona. In a yeah, I remember him. Yeah, you know, that Hail Mary. Uh, and he's not he's no longer on the team. He spoke for he spoke to this guy from Cleveland Report. And it's pretty much said that Rogers demands a lot from your guy from young players. He expects you to know what you're doing and this and that. And if you don't, he's gonna just completely, you know, kind of blackball you from getting the ball. Which I don't see a problem with. You know? No, I mean that's that's pretty I mean that's good he said that. I I didn't see that, but stated pretty honestly, it seems like. Yeah. Um. And I mean, that's kind of what if you're if you're an all time great quarterback, that's what I would expect you to do. I agree. Yeah. And then he and then Jeff Janis came out. I think it was yesterday or you know, or Tuesday, whatever it was. He said, "Look, yeah, is that is that true that if you didn't you know if you weren't catching the ball if you weren't running you know to get open when Rogers had a scramble, you didn't get the ball." Yeah, did he was he hard on you on practice? Yeah, but so is every other quarterback. He demands greatness out of you because he is great, you know. And they used to, and they said it, you know. They compared them to like a, and you know, Ryan Grant with a running back who won the Super Bowl with him, right? Compared him to an AI, right? Right. He's just so great, and he expects you to be able to know what you're doing and be able to be great with him to get to where he wants to go, you know. Then and Jeff Janis spoke out and said, "Yeah, did I say?" He wants you know, he blackballs you for getting the ball. Yeah. Did it is he hard on you? Yeah. But at the same time, him being hard on me and not giving me the ball made me a better player. Because now no doubt. Yeah. I want to get the ball. You know? Him being so great made me want to be great. Him pushing me to be great is why I have another contract. I have another chance with another team. You know? It's to me it's crazy. I mean, Geronimo Allison, top receiver. He's going to be in his third league. I mean, third year in the league. So, to me, does he have a problem with it? Uh, Valdez Scanling, does he have a problem with it? I mean, for most of the season, he was hot and then didn't get the ball towards the end. I mean, what are we doing? And then you got all these Packers speaking out that, uh, you know, none of it's true. You know, those two just go after Rodgers because it's Rodgers and they're extremely bitter. And then – the most jealous person in this entire <laughs> I mean, Even Rogers was like, those are the only two that ever speak out negative against yeah. me when I'm in the news about something. When there's an article written about me, about how bad of a person I am or quarterback or whatnot, those two are always spoken. And it's to advance their careers somehow. And it's sad because when they were on the team, I was always there for them. 
obviously he was on the radio and said, you know, when Jermichael Finley breaks his neck, I wanted, I was in the uh, hospital with him that night. You know, I constantly went to go see him. I cared about him, you know, Craig Jennings, you know, I always loved him. I always tried to get him to be the best, you know, but it happens, you know, and then Greg Jennings went to the Vikings. He sucked there. Jermichael, yeah, he did. Like, move on. Get over it. Get past it. I'm tired of it. It's just news because it's Aaron Rodgers. And like I said, Aaron Rodgers could be out in public anywhere, and all of a sudden it's news. You know, for some reason, people hate him like that. They treat him like he's, you know, crap, <laughs> you know, when he's out in public and just something to write about because they know they'll get clicks on it. The whole thing with his family, too. I mean, come on. You know, do we really care if he doesn't? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like, talk to his family. Do, it's do strange, really but it shouldn't matter that much. I mean, his brother is on this the freaking Bachelor. Bachelor, do we really yeah. Care? Do we really care? <laughs> no, I'm with you, man. I mean, like the the Drew Michael Finley stuff. I mean, come on, man, give it a rest already, yeah. would you? Jesus, like this has been going on for six years now, or even back to when you played, like longer. It's, yeah, even longer. It's it basically. I mean, it like. You know, it it proves like it's basically the guys that are not mentally tough that are the ones that you know get annoyed with Rogers and want to speak out about him. Um, do you have to be you know mentally tough and have a certain edge to be able to to play with Rogers and handle him? Yeah, but I mean that's that's what it's like with all great players in all sports. I mean, was Michael Jordan or was Kobe Bryant the easiest teammate? No. You know, is Tom Brady probably the easiest at times? No. You know, was uh, Brett Favre? I guess Brett Favre was a little different. But Peyton Manning probably wasn't. Yeah, I mean, times. I mean, he was pretty demanding. So I mean, oh, any of these great players, any of these great quarterbacks, they're gonna they're gonna demand a lot out of you, um, as they should. And like, I, I mean, Rogers, yeah, is he is he probably a little egotistical? Is he probably difficult at times? Is he probably you know I want to do it my way? Is he stubborn? Yes, but when when you're one of the you know five greatest quarterbacks of all time, in my opinion, you have the clout to be able to do those things. That's why, I mean, I don't want to make it about the Eagles here, but, you know, Carson Wentz, I think, kind of has a lot of the same attributes to his personality, but he hasn't earned that clout to really be able to do that stuff yet because he hasn't won anything. So people say, you know, I hear people say like, oh, well, you know, all the great quarterbacks are like that, you know, Brady and Rodgers, like, yeah, Wentz is not those guys yet. I mean, hopefully he will be someday, but he does not have the clout to be able to do stuff like that. Aaron Rodgers, you can – you can be, you know, hard on your players. You can be hard on your coaches because you've earned that. You've earned that respect. You've shown time and time again that you come through in the most clutch moments, usually with inferior talent around you too. Um, and I liked how, you know, he, he piggybacked on the Mike McCarthy stuff. He said a lot of great things about him, you know. Yeah, were there disagreements? Were there ups and downs in our time together? Of course, like any coach, like any relationship, you're going to have that. But there were a lot of good times too. We won a Super Bowl together. You know, let, let's remember those good times. And sometimes you just need a change. And obviously, like, you know, if the organization's going to choose, are they going to choose Mike McCarthy or Aaron Rodgers? They're going to choose Aaron Rodgers. That's not, it's a no-brainer. So, I mean, to say that, like, uh, Rodgers got him out of there, Rodgers never liked him, blah, 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 I think that's a little bit of an attack on Rodgers, and it's not really fair. I mean, is there some stuff that Rodgers was probably getting, you know, tired of him and that it wasn't working anymore? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that, you know, for the last eight years, Rodgers was like, this guy sucks. Let's get him out of here. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Like, no, I, they wouldn't have had all that success if not. I mean, before the last couple of years where they missed the playoffs, they made the playoffs, what, like eight years in a row or something eight, like eight that? Eight years in a row. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly they were doing something right together. Yeah. It's <laughs> – I, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I'm so sick of it. But to me, when you have guys, every guy, even the guys in the article that said what they said, and then said, look, yeah, that is the truth, but here's the other truth to it, too, that they forgot to mention type deal. But other than Jennings and Jermichael Finley, you know, I believe those guys more than anything else because those are the guys that are in with them every single day. You know, and greatness demands greatness. You know, that's all the great ones do. I remember watching a video. Uh, it was a sit-down with Kobe Bryant, and Kobe Bryant said, they're on the road, right, and he, he gets a knock at the door and says, hey, we're all going out drinking. You want to go? And he's like, yeah, I'll go. So he goes out, goes out drinking the night before a game or whatever it is. You know, and the next morning, he's knocking on all his teammates' door at 5 a.m. And they're like, what are you doing? Why are you up so early? He's like, we're going to shoot. Let's go. We're going to practice. Yeah. And and his, and he's like, 
Like, I'll be with you. You want to go out, have fun, party, whatnot, I'll go do 10 times out of 10. But come game time, like, let's go. Like, it's time to play. Yeah. Showtime, yeah. Yeah. And that's how I feel like is the same type of mentality with the great ones. You know, like you said, Manning, Brady, you know, yeah, they may all be a little bit different in how they go about it, but they all have the same, you know, deep down inside, that same attitude that demands the most out of their players. So, yeah. No, I'm with you. You gotta, you gotta be a little. If you're gonna be great, you have to have a little bit of an ego to you, you know. Yeah. And the great ones, they all do. So, doesn't shock me that some of these guys are still butthurt about it. But it's also, you know, you you probably no one would probably know who the hell you are if you didn't play with Aaron Rodgers. So, get over it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, that concludes our podcast for this week. Uh, enjoy your baseball for all you baseball fans out there enjoy uh what you have left in the basketball season with the basketball playoffs enjoy anything else that is on the masters that i'll be glued to that uh and enjoy the rest of the weekend and we'll see you next week take care thank you for listening to the sneaky place podcast presented by joggermag.com if you enjoyed this podcast please smash that subscribe button and follow us on twitter at play sneaky